Good morning. We are in week four of a series about the Beatitudes, and because I'm clever, we called it the Beatitudes. It's really about two things. You know, this, this is really a sermon introduction to Jesus' greatest sermon ever. And, and I told them in the prayer room, it's uncanny how Jesus can speak just a few words and they'd be so powerful. And that's certainly the case with what we're going to talk about today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Eyeballs, right here. Lean in. Lean in today. It's for you. I already had my time with God about this message, so now it's your turn. So I'm going to ask you to lean in. The Beatitudes do two things. They're paths to genuine happiness. Anybody in the room want to be happy? Amen, right? And the Beatitudes reveal the benefits of living life God's way. How many know that God has a way, and you can choose to live that way, or you can choose to live your way? I have done both. I would recommend His. Highly. <laughs> I like living in the South. Come on, right? All right. Here's, here's, what you can, here's what you can see in the South. You could go to any store, all right? No matter what, you, you know, sometimes even the Dollar General up there. And you're going you're gonna to put your stuff up there. And the, at some point, the lady's going to say, sweetie, did you find everything you needed? And I thought, you know, every time I hear that, I go, if I can find everything I need in the Dollar General, there's a problem. <laughs> Can't find everything. See, I don't, I don't think that's the right question. I think what they should say and what they should ask is, did you find what you were looking for? Because, all right, guys, you, you're going to feel me on this one. I, have you ever gone to Home Depot for a $2 part, a $2 thing, Walked in, spent $80, and walked out without the thing you went there for. And if somebody would have said, did you find what you were looking for? Maybe it helps you. I don't know. 1987, which is the greatest decade for music. A band called U2 released a song, and it was about experiences. And it was about love, and it was about religion, only to declare, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's even a line in that song that leads you to believe that the author of those lyrics had an encounter with Christ and still hasn't found what he's looking for. How is that possible? I'm going to tell you that there are Christians all across this planet that believe in Jesus but haven't found what they're looking for. They're not living an abundant life in Christ Jesus. And what we're going to talk about today flies in the face of status quo Christianity. Now, now listen, you can live this life and be apathetic if you choose to, but you'll never find what you're looking for living that kind of life. And Jesus deals with it in this beatitude. How sad would it be to be lying on your deathbed and say, I never found what I was looking for. Jesus said it this way. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, the fourth beatitude says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Father, in Jesus' name, over the next few moments, help us lean into your word and to the power of your presence. Teach us what it means to hunger and thirst for you, your righteousness, so we can know what it means to live satisfied. Say amen with me. See, that word filled literally means satisfied. A couple other translations read it like this. The Living Bible says, Happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely 
satisfied. The New Century Version says it this way, those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. So I have a question for you. And I, I told you early on that, listen, I, I know many of you, if not all of you, have, have a, an understanding and you believe in Jesus, and I'm so thankful that you do. But I've talked to too many believers, I've talked to too many people who come to church all the time that are miserable and addicted and depressed. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus has something higher for you. Have you found what you're looking for? It's easy to walk in this building and paint on a smile. It's easy to post on Facebook the good moments. It's easy to get on your Instagram page and take 17 pictures to post one good one. Have you found what you're looking for? Is life working? Are you content? See, there's, there's two things that bring contentment. One, one we're going to talk about today is finding our, our life, our satisfaction in Christ. You know, what, you know what the other thing that brings contentment is? Apathy. When you just don't care anymore. God, help us not to be an apathetic people. Help us to hunger and thirst for you. <laughs> so are you satisfied? Or are you like Solomon? Solomon, David's son, wrote the most depressing, well, maybe the second most depressing book in the Bible. It's Ecclesiastes. And he goes through the entire Bible, the entire book, and he talks about how all of this stuff is just vanity. Doesn't mean anything. He had everything. Had a thousand women at his disposal. Which tells, they say he was the smartest man on the planet that ever lived. And I'm thinking, I'm not so sure. You got 700 wives and 300 other ladies hanging out. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Here's what he said. Now, you have to understand, he lived in wealth and splendor. He was the king. And here's what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Anything I wanted, I would take. I, just, I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. How would you like to own it all and just feel empty? And that's how Solomon felt. Let me put it in a little bit uh, more modern words. There's a rapper. I know, you don't think I listen to rap music. I don't know why you would prejudge me that way. Rapper's name is S.O. And the reason he's called S.O. is because his name is unpronounceable. He's Nigerian. S.O. Here's his lyrics. How it feel like chasing the wind, homie. Don't we do it all the time? We never chase God, but think that the women or the money will forever satisfy that ain't what we were designed for and i can tell you that with my eyes closed and blindfolded it's mind-blowing our souls need god cuzzy <laughs> that there i know brother yes i know did you hear what he said that ain't what we're designed for that ain't what we're designed for Chasing the wind is not what we're designed for. You've got a plan, and you've got a purpose given to you by God. That's what you're supposed to be chasing. If you're writing, take a note, write this down. We hunger and thirst for the wrong things. Look at somebody say, wrong things. 
As, as many of you know, I was a youth pastor for a very, very, very long time. And the, one of the biggest things we would do every year is a winter retreat. Called it Winterfest. And it was, a, it, it was so much fun. It was so powerful. And this particular, I think it was the year 2000. In fact, I'm pretty confident it was the year 2000. We'd gone away to Gatlinburg and we had eaten nothing but hot dogs and Papa John's pizza for three days. And I developed this incredible thirst. I'm sure it was from eating hot dogs and Papa John's pizza for three days. Of course, we, we had one trip that was to McDonald's in Dillard, Georgia. That's where Jordan Vickery showed me how he could smoke a fake cigarette with his belly button. I got a picture of it somewhere. I, I'm, so I just, I just put him on blast in front of his kids. I developed this incredible thirst. And the only thing left on our floor in our hotel, we're sitting outside in the, in the hall of the floor, uh, in the floor of the hallway, eating pizza and having fun. We, we had the whole floor. It was a blast. And the only thing left in the vending machine was Dr. Pepper. Anybody love a good Dr. Pepper? That's all that was left. And so I went to the vending machine. And then I went back to the vending machine. And I went back to the vending machine over and over and over again. And for some reason, that Dr. Pepper just wouldn't quench my thirst. In fact, it seemed the more of these I drank, the worse my thirst got. We get home and that Monday morning, I couldn't get out of bed. Literally couldn't get out of bed. Donna makes me a doctor's appointment. I find my way there and guess what they told me? I was diabetic. And the thing that I was trying to quench my thirst wasn't quenching. It was making it worse. Listen to me. You're trying to quench that thirst with all the wrong things. In fact, that thing you're trying to fill that empty void with is probably driving you to a deeper thirst, a deeper hunger. And I'm going to tell you that if you're trying to fill a God-shaped hole with anything else, it will not work. You're, 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 you're trying to quench your thirst with the wrong thing. Could it be that our pursuit of the thing, the relationships, the possessions, the career, could be the very thing that's leaving us unsatisfied? Could it be? I read this this week. Listen, the problem is our hearts are black holes of discontentment, devouring relationships and possessions, all while screaming, I need more. We're always eating but famished, always drinking but never satisfied. So Christian, what pursuit is competing with your affection for Christ? Have you found what you're looking for? Maybe you're in the room, maybe you're watching online, and you're, you're far from God. I have one question for you. What are you waiting on? <laughs> a thousand years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy written about him. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, The Lord says, All you who are thirsty, come and drink. Those of you that don't have money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on something that is not real food? Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? Listen closely to me and you'll eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. Write this down. I want you to add a word to the beginning of your next blank if you're taking notes. I want it to read this way. Only the love of Christ satisfies. 
only. See, I bet if we went around this room, I bet if we took a poll, there, there are many of us in this room that could, that could list the things we tried to fill that hole with. We tried to fill that gaping vacuum in our soul with. See, sometimes we try to do it with money. Sometimes we try to do it with career. We try to do it with relationships, just waiting on that perfect guy, that perfect girl, just, just waiting on uh, the, the perfect situation, the perfect family, the perfect car, the perfect home. It doesn't exist. You, like I, have tried. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 says that you might have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. Listen, please listen to this. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Look at that word measure. Herein lies the problem. There's a measure. And Christ longs to fill it. I I wonder how much room we've left in the measure for Jesus. I wonder how much room we've left in the measure for him to fill our hungry, thirsty souls. Or is there so much in the measure that he competes with the other stuff of our life? Are we hungering and thirsting for so many different things that there's just not room? Write this down. Christ wants to satisfy, but you control the measure. You ever spoil your appetite? I'll tell you a little secret. Some of you will understand what I'm getting ready to say. I don't eat a big breakfast on Wednesdays. Because we go to the buffet. I don't want to spoil. I don't, want, I don't want to fill my measure with oatmeal when there's General Zoe's chicken waiting on me at noon. Now you laugh. You've spoiled your appetite. The other day, Donna and I were uh, out. She had a doctor's appointment. And, and we had an appointment we were going to. Another, uh, we're going to go be, visit someone. And, and we had a little bit of time before we... We needed to go, and we neither one of us had eaten lunch, and so we were hungry. And I had the great idea that we'd just stop at Quick Trip. Now listen, uh, I love me some Quick Trip, but uh, see if anybody can just resonate. The older I get, the worse roller food does to me. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm walking around. I'm, and Donna's like, Where do, are you hungry? Yes. What are you getting? I don't know. Oh, there's chips and there's pizza and there's roller food and taquitos and hot dogs and corn dogs. There's all this stuff. What are you getting? I don't know. There's so much. I don't know. And so I got a couple of taquitos and some chips and we go outside and sit in the car and I didn't want to eat for two days. <laughs> Can I tell you that you're We're spoiling our spiritual appetites. We're filling our soul with so much junk. I'm so proud of myself. I left my phone at home today. I didn't do it on purpose. Listen listen to me. We are so... Consume. Do you remember? Some of y'all aren't old enough to remember this, but a couple of you are. 
I, I remember, I remember sitting in my house as a child, as a teenager, and the phone would ring. And we would argue as to who had to go get it. Do you know why? Because it was interrupting our life. We were doing something else, right? Now, once Don and I started dating, as soon as it started ringing, I'm... <laughs> but do you, do you remember those days where you, maybe you're watching a ball game with your dad and the phone with a ring? You're like, you're going to make your sister go get it because you don't want, to, you don't want the, the phone to interrupt your life, right? How many know that's completely flipped? We don't want our life to interrupt our phone. And we filled our, our life with so much junk. We filled our, just, oh, y'all, we, we fill our life with, the, with, with just trash on television, audio pornography in our ears, real pornography on our phones. And we wonder why we're not filled with God's presence. We haven't left room in our measure. Hey, listen, maybe it's not just that. Maybe we filled our soul with so much anxiety about our life. Maybe we filled our measure with so much busy work with all the things, that, all the plates we're trying to keep spinning. Why can't Christ fill us? There's no room. Help us, Lord. Is your soul so busy? with other pursuits that there's no room for another appetite. Career and money and relationships and family stuff. See, it's not bad stuff all the time, is it? It's, they're genuine pursuits. But we've placed them first. And then when that's not enough, we'll turn to addiction and immorality and a double life. We're one thing on Sunday mornings and a completely different person the rest of the week. God, help us. So what if? What if the righteousness of Christ, and oh, by the way, we're going to define that in just a minute. What if the righteousness of Christ became your primary pursuit? What if that, what if that was first? How would that affect your career? How would that affect your money? How would it affect your relationships? What gets worse if you put Jesus first? Nothing. What gets better? What gets right when we start doing things God's way? Everything. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, it says seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is what the book says. How do you make room? How do you make room? How do you make room in your measure, in your soul? How do you make room? Well, you're making room this morning by coming to the house of God. That's one way to make room. Some of you guys are making room. I'm so stinking proud of you. I, I, I get on that, that devotion, that, uh, uh, that Beatitudes Bible reading plan, and I, I see your comments, and I see that you, you, you're making room when you do that, when you spend time in God's Word. When you lay on your face before God in prayer, you're making room. When He's the first person you talk to every morning, you're making room. When you repent of your sin, you're making room. Listen to me. You carry around unrepented sin in your soul. You're taking up measure. God, help us. Can we sing with conviction? You alone are king. It sounds so beautiful with the chords and the band. You alone are king. Is he alone king? Or are there other pursuits for your measure? You alone are king. <laughs> so... Our hunger and our thirst 
must be for the righteousness of Christ. So what is righteousness? (laughs) I was taught at an early age that righteousness had everything to do with the length of my hair, the kind of clothes I wore. It had everything to do with my outward appearance. It had everything to do with my behavior. It had everything to do with creating some persona of righteousness in my life regardless what was happening on the inside. I'm going to tell you that the part of my life where I was furthest from God, I'm standing on a stage with a tie on singing in a church every Sunday morning. It's easy to look the part. That's not righteousness, y'all. That's religion, and it makes me want to vomit. Righteousness is, write this down. First of all, righteousness is who God is. God doesn't possess righteousness. It's not a characteristic. It is Him. God is always right. He cannot be anything but right. And the sooner you and I realize that God is in always right, it'll help us navigate the craziness of this world. We've been saying this on Wednesday night, and I just believe it to be true. There's, someday you're going to stand face to face with Jesus. And, and right now on earth, you've got all these questions. Well, I'm going to ask him about this. I'm going to ask him about when this happened and why this happened and why that happened. And I'm going to tell you that you will not. You will see him and know you were right. You'll just know. Because he is, by the way, he's always right. I don't understand why we lost two children. I don't understand, but he's right. And one day I'll know. I don't know today, but one day I will. See, I see through a clouded glass now, but one day I'm going to see him face to face, and I'll know. And and there won't be a moment where I'll go, well, you got that one wrong, God. No, because he's right. And he can be nothing but right. Psalm 71 verse 19 says, Your righteousness, O God, reaches to the highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? And the answer is nobody. Two ways God's revealed his righteousness. What is right to his creation. Two ways. His word and his son. Period. God has revealed to us what is right through His Word and through His Son. And if your way conflicts with either of those things, you are wrong. Well, I just, I did, the way I see it, it doesn't matter how you see it. Well, why would God, not your place to ask why God would. He's God and you aren't. That's why we get so confused with sexuality and identity because we think we can redefine what God said. God's right and we aren't, period. Does that make for uncomfortable conversations? Of course it does. Does that that make for heartache when you've got somebody that you love that struggles in one of those issues? Of course it does. But God's still right. His word is truth. And my wife said it. It's not subjective. You you didn't write it. You can't edit it. It's His Word. So the the first thing righteousness is, is who God is. Thing is, what Christ has modeled. Why do you think God put four accounts of the life of Christ in His book? Why didn't Jesus 
die on the cross at 13 instead of 33? Is, was his blood still pure at 13? Of course it was. Was he still the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world at 13? Of course he was. Why did he wait till 33? Because he spent 33 years teaching you and I how to live this life, how to love people, how to be kind, how to take a stand against injustice, how to pray, how to worship God in spirit and in truth. He's your model. His righteousness ought to be yours and mine. But we like to do things our way. I bet I'm not the only person in this room that has intentionally, when God said, go this way, you went this way. Just me? And, and here's what we want to think. Well, it's just not that big a deal. It's just not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So here's how I want to live my life. And sometimes I fail at it miserably. I want to do my life God's way. And I'm still learning God's way, y'all. And I'm, I'm trying to help you learn God's way. And what I hope is that we lock arms and we do God's life, God's way together. So righteousness is who God is. Righteousness is... Have y'all, y'all getting anything out of this today? Y'all love Pastor Dwayne? That's probably coming to a screeching halt. <laughs> Righteousness is who God is, what Christ has modeled. Listen to me. Righteousness is what God expects. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes. Here's how Solomon resolved the problem of vanity. He resolved the problem of it just... Feels like chasing the wind. Here's how we resolve the problem. Chapter 12, verse 13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Fear God. Obey His commands. Listen to God. Come on, y'all. I didn't give you a blank for this, but you ought to write this down. God forgives sin, but expects righteousness. And here's what we've done, y'all. Here's what we've done. We have abused the grace of God. Because of God's unknowable grace. We walk around with our measure full of junk. The problem is. Man, I, I, listen, I don't want to go back to preaching, you know, everything is sin. I mean, that, that's how I grew up. I'm, I'm smiling, so I must be sinning. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to go there. But, but y'all, I'm afraid the pendulum swung way far the other direction. God's grace covers me so it doesn't matter how I live. I'm going to tell you that's, that's not what the Bible says. God expects us to walk in His ways. 
to live for Him. God expects us. Aren't you glad that when you fall short of it, and you do, and so do I, that we have an advocate with a Father who is Christ Jesus. See, those of you that have parented children in the room know what that looks like. You expect, you have high expectations for your children. And guess what? Sometimes they're going to let you down, aren't they? Does that mean you lower your expectations? Well, you broke curfew tonight, so we're just going to raise your curfew. It's not how that worked in the lighthouse. In fact, the opposite was true. But why, Dwayne? Why is it important? Why is my behavior? Why is my lifestyle? Why does it matter? I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Is, is that all you're after? Listen, heaven is great. I can't wait to go. But if, if God didn't have a purpose and plan for you on this planet, why didn't he kill you the day you got saved? He didn't because he's got something for you to do. He expects righteousness because you and I are Christ's example on this earth. And if you've been saved, you ought to have been saved from something. The responsibility has never been greater than it is right now. Righteousness is important because this world is not our home. And it's fleeting. So I'm going to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? Should you, God forbid, leave this planet tonight? Because how many, listen, I don't, I don't like... I don't like depressing people. So I'm going to depress you and then I'll bring you out of it. Is that okay? You're not promised tomorrow. Some of you got plans this afternoon. You may never get there. You got meetings tomorrow morning. You may not attend. So God forbid, if, if something happened, are you ready? Do you know, listen, without a glimmer of a doubt that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't care how long you've been going to church. That's not the, that won't be the question, by the way. There's one question. What have you done with Jesus? Are you ready? Well, I give a lot of money to the church. Not a question. Don't stop, but that's not the question. Are you ready? Because the, the last Definition of righteousness is the most important one. Maybe, I don't know. I think it is. It's what Christ has done. Righteousness for you and I means we are now in right standing with God. That the sin that made us God's enemy has been washed away. Not, he didn't put a band-aid on a gunshot wound. He made you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. And now he calls you his child, his friend. You're in right standing with God and it has absolutely nothing to do with anything you've done. You're there because the man on the middle cross said you could be there. And that's the only reason. Romans chapter 5 verses 9 to 11 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight, by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God, listen, our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son. While we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now, come on somebody, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. If that doesn't bring worship to your soul, so Something's wrong. How's it work? Romans 3.25 says, We were made right with God when we believed that Jesus shed His blood, sacrificing His life for us. So God, I, I quote it every Sunday, 
God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so we could become the righteousness of God in him. It's all because Jesus paid your debt. So listen, we don't live we don't live a lifestyle that honors God to earn his love. We don't we don't live a lifestyle that honors God and that reflects Christ to earn our salvation. We live that kind of life in response to his great love. Donna, come on. Oh. God, make us hungry for you and your righteousness. God, make us thirsty for you and your righteousness, for you and your presence and your power in our life. Listen, I'm going to tell you, that's the only way you're going to be satisfied in this life or the life to come. Man, I thought it was really cool. I don't know how many of you have read the, today's devotion and the Bible reading plan, but it, it talked about it talked about the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. And if you, you don't know the story, it's John chapter 4. You ought, to, you ought to read it today. You ought to read that devotion in a new version today. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman that culture said he wasn't supposed to be having a conversation with because she was a Samaritan. She was divorced. Her resume wasn't all that great. And Jesus is having an incredible life-giving conversation. He's reading her mail. And all of a sudden, you can see as the scales fall off of her eyes, she realizes who he is. And y'all, can I just tell you, I hope that's what's happening for some of us today. See, we've tried to fill our lives with so much stuff. And listen, some of it's good stuff. But what I'm going to challenge you, challenge me, is that from this day forward, our primary pursuit, our primary hunger, our primary thirst, for the things of God, the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the presence of God. And only then will you be satisfied. Can I share with you what Jesus told this woman? Because I, I just want you to imagine Jesus telling you this today. I love the way the Message Bible reads his response. As she's talking about the, the coming Messiah. And maybe you're here and you say, Dwayne, my life's just not working. And I hadn't found the missing piece yet. Now, I believe in Jesus. But I hadn't found that missing piece. I hadn't found what I'm looking for. My life's not working. Here's what Jesus said to that woman, and I believe he's saying it to you today. If you're looking for a missing piece, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 4. I am He. <laughs> you don't have to wait any longer or look any further. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to wait another day. You don't have to look for anything else. You don't have to try to find your peace. You don't have to find your truth. You don't have to find your, your fulfillment in anything else. Look no further. He's here. I want you to bow your heads with me. So I'm going to give you this, this appeal the way I feel like the Lord just asked me to give it. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're watching online and you say, Pastor Dwayne, there's other stuff in my measure. doesn't mean it's bad stuff. It means there's stuff that you've hungered after and thirsted for as your primary pursuit. And Christ, maybe He's there, but He's, he's not your primary pursuit. And, and listen, it, it, might be, it might be a habit. It might be a sticky sin. 
I don't know. It, it might be unforgiveness. It might be resentment. It might be hurt from, a, fr- from something in your past that, that you had nothing to do with. Somebody hurt you. I'm going to tell you, you've carried that too long. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to look any further. His name's Jesus. Well, Dwayne, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I understand that. But have you found what you're looking for? Is, does your life have purpose? Have you found what you're looking for? You're only going to find it when you hunger and thirst for Christ, His righteousness as your primary pursuit. No, by the way, all the other stuff will find its home. So if you're here today and you say, Dwayne, there's stuff in my measure that doesn't belong and I need to lay it at the foot of the cross today, I just want you to slip your hand in the air just so I know I'm praying for it. Would you do this? going to take a, it's going to take some going to take a little little courage how many know it's, it's it, we can't play games here's what I want you to do I want you to get out of your seat right now don't look around see who else is coming I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come kneel around this altar because I want to pray for you come now amen 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 Father, we have let other pursuits hinder us. So God, today, we make room for you. We repent of sin. We choose today to seek God, His righteousness, and His Son, Jesus, first. Whatever's in our measure that doesn't belong, unforgiveness, resentment, pain. God, heal as we make room for you today. And from this day forward, we will hunger and thirst for you. Your righteousness, your goodness, your grace, your love, your mercy. And we know, God, we know, God, all the other things will be added unto us. Your word is truth and you cannot lie. God, I pray for everyone in this altar today. And, and for those in, that stayed seated and, and didn't feel like they could walk down this aisle, God, you can reach them right where they're at. God, I pray that we leave here changed, not because of a song or a sermon, but because the Spirit of God has done an incredible work in all of our lives today. We declare our need of you. We are spiritually bankrupt without you. We are poor in our spirit without you. We declare our need of you and you alone. From this day forward, God, we'll be able to sing with conviction. You alone are king. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, in your own way, just surrender your life, your heart, your measure to Jesus. I am yours, Lord. I am yours, Lord.
Won't you stand all across this building? Jesus for the Lord an ovation of praise for His goodness. Yes! Thank you, Jesus. Hey, guys, I, I ask you this all the time, but I want you to hear me. If God's done something special in your heart today, I want to celebrate that with you, and I want to pray for you. So just jot that down on your connection card and drop it in that box in the back. It's been so good to have you in the house of the Lord today. Hey, men, men Share what God is doing in your heart and, and pick up the phone this week and invite somebody to come to church with you next Sunday. God bless you. Have an awesome afternoon. Give the Lord an ovation of praise. Amen. Amen.